Well, good afternoon. This is August 10th, 2023, Thursday, and it is the Feast of St. Lawrence, which of course is one of the greatest feasts in the Catholic Church. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, he does. He has all kinds of, uh, uh, there's a glorious said today if you went to daily mass. There's, uh, uh, it's all kinds of great stuff if you do the Breviary, he has his own antithons, everything. It's a fantastic day. And it, you know, it just happens to be not my name is Lawrence, too. There's not many of us left. Our bishop is Lawrence, uh, which is always uh, good that uh, we're the only two Lawrences in the diocese, but uh, he's a bishop, of course. I'm not. So you have come to uh, Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and I am Father Larry Richards. So welcome. What we're going to do is begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being present to us. Thank you for always being with us. Father, on this, the Feast of St. Lawrence, help us to gladly give up our lives every day for love of you and love of your people to be that grain that falls into the ground and dies for love of you that we may produce much fruit for others, not for ourselves. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Lawrence, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Just to let you know, I'll probably be ending a little early today because we have a priest gathering today with our bishop, which is going on right now, and I was supposed to be there, but because of this, I uh, am here. But uh, we have dinner starting at uh, 4 o'clock on the other side of town, uh, so I'll be leaving a little bit earlier. I just didn't want to cancel because I've had to cancel so much this summer. Um, next week, I will be here, but the following week, I will not because I will be in um, Alhambra, California, outside of LA. Now, again, if there's anybody here from Los Angeles area or San Diego or any of those places, I am doing a retreat next weekend for men, not this weekend. This weekend, this Saturday, I'll, I'll be up at the North American Martyrs Shrine in Ariesville, uh, New York, doing a men's conference, uh, the Diocese of Albany. So if anybody's in any of you men that are up there in the New York area, uh, come on over and, uh, those of you who want to spend more time, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, full retreat, which I don't do many of those, uh, but I always do them for the Carmelites because I can't say no to nuns. Anyway, so uh, I'll be down there, and so we want it, uh, as many men to be there, so it's a, it's a challenge to really transform your lives, and then I'll be on my silent retreat there, and then the following week, I'll be in Hawaii. God willing, who knows what's going on with Hawaii right now, but I'll be on the main island. Um, and so uh, doing a men's conference on the Saturday and a parish uh, talk on the Sunday. So uh, again, this is what's happening. And then most of September I have off, except for September 23rd, where I'm going to be up in the Connecticut men's conference. Um, but I am, I need a break. I don't know. I've been on the road too much, you know, so... Uh, it's going to be good. Anyway, so I encourage you to come to those things. What I want to do is uh, today I want to focus on adoration. Um, we've talked about adoration before, but I just haven't done a whole thing on it. And especially because we're going to have the Eucharistic uh, 
Congress in 2024, and we're in the the three-year period of we're worshiping Christ in the Eucharist and trying to get people to refocus on the power. And again, because Pope Francis just talked about the need for Eucharistic adoration, and then when um, on June the 19th of this year, he blessed the new... Um, four-foot monstrance it's going to be at the Eucharistic Congress and he, again he talked about the need for adoration so and I have perpetual adoration as you've heard me talk about a million times but I just want to talk about the need for it the grace of it what happens when you go okay and so let's start off with uh, what Pope Francis said first of all on June 19th and again we're just focusing on little parts of what he said but he talks about Catholics need to recover a sense of awe and adoration before the Eucharist, knowing that it is the real and loving presence of the Lord, Pope Francis said. And then it says, indeed, the Eucharist is God's response to the deepest hunger of the human heart, the hunger for authentic life, because in the Eucharist, Christ himself is truly in our midst to nourish, console, and sustain us on our journey. He says, unfortunately today, many Catholics believe the Eucharist is a more of a symbol than the reality of the Lord's presence and love. And he said, it's more than a symbol. It's the real and loving presence of Jesus Christ or the Lord. It is my hope then that Eucharistic Congress will inspire Catholics throughout the country to discover anew the sense of wonder and awe at the Lord's great gift of himself. He said, and spend time with him in the celebration of the Holy Mass and in personal prayer and adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, okay? And then when he was talking to uh, bishops and priests and seminarians in Portugal last week when he was at uh, the World Youth Day, he talked about, reflected on the urgency of taking up again the prayer of adoration before the tabernacle. So he's talking to the priests and seminarians and bishops before the tabernacle to recover the taste and passion for evangelization. So he's talking about when you pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you're going to want to evangelize others and bring them into the newness of life with Jesus Christ. And so it, this was his message to the bishops, priests, deacons, consecrated women, women religious, and seminarians. And then he asked them about how do they pray. Do you pray like a parrot? He says to the bishops, priests, and nuns. Oh, like a parrot, blah, 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 blah. Or taking a nap in front of the tabernacle because I don't know how to talk to the Lord. I pray, how do I pray? Only in adoration, only before the Lord can the taste and the passion for evangelization be recovered. And then he says, our church has abandoned prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I don't think in America, but throughout the world. Uh, curiously, the prayer of adoration, we have lost it. We have lost it. And everyone, priests, bishops, consecrated men and women, lay people, have to recover it. It has to be in silence before the Lord. And then he talks about the example of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So here is our Pope, who, again, many people think, of course, is uh, liberal or weird. He's talking about coming and spending time with Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. Would you just stop criticizing the man? He's telling us what to do. Now, on one of the uh, websites uh, or uh, things on Facebook, uh, one of the groups I belong to, a guy says, so what's he saying to us who don't have no history of uh, 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 Eucharistic adoration? And I'm sitting there 
I didn't respond because I don't do that stuff anymore. I said, start adoration. Who cares if you don't have a history of it? It's time. Why is it time? Because Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God the universe cannot contain, humbles himself before us and is present in every tabernacle of the world. How can you not want to go and be with Jesus Christ? Huh? You know, don't sit there and say, that's not my devotion. There was a seminarian. I was a spiritual director for a while. And he came in and he said to me, the first thing he said, I hear that you're big on seminarians doing adoration. I'm not going to do that. And I says, you are not going to be in the seminary very long, son. And he wasn't. I think he made a semester. He might have made a year. No, I think it was a semester. And then he left. Because if you don't have devotion to the Eucharist, you have no devotion to Jesus Christ. Huh? That's just a reality. And again, some people throughout the history, especially as I was growing up, when I was in seminary, first of all, before I went to seminary, the way I found out who Jesus was by sitting in the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, uh, first at the Epiphany Church, and then I would go afterwards and they used to have adoration in downtown pittsburgh at saint mary's church small church but all day they would have adoration and i would go there and be with the lord and i remember kneeling there and saying jesus are you real aren't you real do you care don't you care and one day i came to know that jesus the god of gods the lord of lords was there before me in the most blessed sacrament and so again, when I was in seminary, I always did a holy hour every day. I was the only one at my time. Now all the young guys do holy hours, but in my time, it wasn't that way. And so uh, here I am every day kneeling before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament because I knew I couldn't bring him to others unless I knew him myself. And the only way to fall in love with anybody is to spend time with them. I'm sorry. You can never fall in life with your, with your, uh, your wife or your kids or your friends unless you spend time. And so to do a holy hour with Jesus every day, and again, I did this way before I ever heard of uh, Fulton Sheen and Fulton Sheen telling people to do a holy hour every day. It was just kind of like if I'm going to get to know him, if he's truly present on this earth, sacramentally that I'm going to have to spend some time with him. It's just that simple. So people who say I don't have a Eucharistic devotion or I don't need to spend time, you know, Jesus is to be eaten, not looked at. You don't play with your food, someone talked about the other day. And that's pure ignorance when someone says something like that. You don't play with your food. You don't stare at your food. Ignorance. He's not food only. He is God who becomes food. And so you spend time, if you love somebody, if you love God above all things created, you spend time. Again, I just did a priest retreat, and I always talk to the priests, and it used to be more explicit, but it's kind of changed a little bit, because I'd say, you got time every day to spend time in front of two different boxes. Which box do you spend the most time with? The television box or the tabernacle box? Now, like I said to them, it's not just a television box, but it's your computer box, or it's your iPhone box, or your phone box. Uh, where do you spend your time? Do you spend all your time on the computer watching TV or your phone or do you spend time with Jesus? Because 
You prove who you love or what you love by the time you spend dedicated to it. So if you're in love with Jesus Christ and he's present on this earth physically, body, blood, soul, humanity, divinity in the blessed sacrament, then you spend time with him. Uh, Of course you receive him because the more we receive Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. But a priest who was one of my uh, kids, I can't really call him a kid, but I've known him for many years, and he was just ordained. And he texted me yesterday, and he says, uh, um, of course I won't tell you his name, but I can share with you the text. And he says, I am focused on this silence that the Lord speaks to Elijah in the first reading of the upcoming week, and then hearkens me back to Genesis 3.8. It also makes me think to be of the words in your chapel. Be still. So speak to me of silence. What nugget of wisdom can you give me to focus on this for this homily? Yes, I did my holy hour. Yes, I do it every day. Yes, I take time for silence in that daily holy hour. And so I said to the poor guy, because I was in the middle of uh, uh, working on my kitchen out at my house, So it says, so good to hear from you. Silence needs to be paired with mindfulness. Be present to Jesus like the flame of the sanctuary light intently burning and offering up yourself as a living sacrifice. When you mindfully know that you are in his presence and all the angels and saints are bowing before him at that very moment you kneel before him, you will touch his throne and slowly be transformed into him. He must increase, I must decrease. And so what has to happen with us is that we need to be mindful. Now, this isn't the mindfulness. People, like someone asked me years ago, Father, I'm having problems uh, in my prayer. Can you tell me what to do? And I said, be mindful. And he says, well, thank you for that advice, but we're not called to be mindful. That's that's something that has ancient, I mean, um, uh, other kinds of, uh, what do you call it, uh, Eastern influence. Mindfulness is not just Eastern influence. Mindfulness is becoming aware of this moment. And if you're kneeling in front of the God of the universe, you just can't be silent. You need to intentionally be mindful that right now I am in the presence of Almighty God. To be mindful that right now in this moment all the angels and saints are bowing down in worship. And not thinking of the past, not thinking of the future because both of them aren't. uh, The past is gone. The future isn't promised. You only got now. And so now as you kneel before the Blessed Sacrament to be mindful, to become aware, not just thinking of all these other things, but to know you're in the very presence of Almighty God. That's what has to happen. So it can't just be sitting there, but a lot can happen, but depending. Like, again, I used the analogy, and I've used it here before. If today is a sunny day for a while in Erie, and so we have beaches here, 15 miles of beaches. So if I go out to the beach, which I haven't been there yet this year, kind of thinking about that, that's not a good thing. Anyway, if I was to go out to the beach, and I'm going out and I'm laying out in the sun, the more naked I am, and don't worry, I'm not going to get naked, but if I have a T-shirt on, something else, but if I am just in my, uh, of course, my black uh, swim trunks with the little white mark at the top, please, and I'm laying there, 
just by laying there, the longer I lay there and the more exposed I am, I will get a suntan or a sunburn. The longer I'm there, the longer I get transformed by the sun. When you and I spend time in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, the more naked we are, spiritually, of course, the more we expose ourselves and surrender ourselves to the God of gods, the Lord of lords, who's present in the Most Blessed Sacrament, we get an S-O-N tan or an S-O-N burn. But if you're mindful, so you'll get slowly transformed, but if you're mindful and you know that you're in awe, of God and you're being still and knowing that he is God that's mindfulness that's more than silence you are God when Thomas Aquinas not Thomas Aquinas but St. Thomas the Apostle cried out uh, after he didn't believe in Jesus had resurrected and Jesus appears to him and he looks at him and he cries out my Lord and my God that was a mindful moment And that's why even when we're in the midst of saying Mass, that when I hold up Jesus in the most blessed sacrament, in his precious body, in his precious blood, the fullness of God, to become very mindful and aware that in my hands is the God of the universe. I used to say all the time, the God the universe cannot contain. God allows a priest to hold in his hands every day. Think about it. The God the universe cannot contain. We who are priests get to hold him in our hands every day. And you get to receive him in your hand, on your tongue, however. But one is not more holy than another. I'm sorry. When God humbles himself before you. And that's why so often when in the middle of Mass and I'm holding up Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament, and so I look out and I look up and I look out and there's so many people not looking at Jesus they're not being mindful. You know, now you could sit there and say, well, they're being humble and not lifting up their head. They can do that the whole Mass, but when God is lifted up and the bells ring, it's to get your attention. God is here. Pay attention. He's here. Pay attention. Adore him. Worship him. Glorify him. Huh? And there is just great power in the Blessed Sacrament. And so when you do adoration, and again, I'm the only church in the whole diocese, and uh, please pray. I just wrote a letter to my bishop today asking to be made a shrine, if he designate my parish as a shrine, because we're the only church of adoration, which any church could do that, but the only church dedicated in the whole world to St. Joseph of the Bread of Life. We're an old beautiful church, take care of the poor, adoration, we have retreat programs. Uh, it's just so please pray and put that in your intentions that our bishop would name Uh, St. Joseph Church as a shrine, designate us as a shrine so I can really then start putting out, we have a beautiful grotto, we have beautiful grounds, and start uh, really developing this St. Joseph for the bread of life. St. Joseph of the Eucharist is another way of saying that um, as a devotion for people to really get to know Joseph better and to get to know Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And so we have an icon of St. Joseph. It was painted for us. Uh, are drawn for us, and it's a beautiful icon of uh, St. Joseph holding a teenage Jesus in his arms, you know, so Jesus is standing in front of uh, and Jesus has bright, bright blue eyes, and I said uh, when, they, when she sent it to me, she's being a nun now, and when she sent it to me, I said, why'd you give Jesus blue eyes? And she says, so you can look into his soul and see his divinity. 
O. And the halo above him has I am, meaning he's God. And his heart is IHS, and where the heart is, is a host, IHS. And so Joseph is sitting there pointing to the host, to the center of the heart of Jesus. And it's St. Joseph of the Bread of Life. Beautiful, beautiful icon. So I want, by God's grace and uh, if it be his holy will, to really develop devotion to St. Joseph of the Bread of Life. Because uh, how Joseph always points to Jesus in his silence. Again, he doesn't say a word. All he does is point to Jesus, his host, his heart, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And how Joseph can point us, especially in this time of Eucharistic amazement, these three years. And to be able to start a shrine as part of, to continue. Because my biggest thing about this Congress and everything else is so often what we do in the church is we like have the year of the priest or the year of mercy or the year of the Father or the year of the Holy Spirit. And then the day after the year is over, we're done. It's like, okay, that was nice. That's what else is there? But something like this is something that needs to be lived. So like when the Eucharistic Congress happened up in um, uh, Chicago many years ago, right up there where the uh, Marytown is, if you've ever been up there. So to continue the Eucharistic Congress, the Benedictine nuns started a perpetual adoration church. Now it's uh, run by the Franciscans and it's Marytown. But that took the fruit of that Congress and moved it on. I want the fruit of the Congress, again, if it's God's will, did you see how selfish I can be? But I just have this desire for um, the fruit of our three years of worshiping Christ in the Eucharist becomes real by establishing this shrine. So we'll just see. So if you could pray for something, pray God's will be done. We don't do anything apart God's will, but uh, if it be his will that we can establish that so that people can continue to come 24 hours a day to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And it does say there, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And as I've told you before, so many times I asked my old bishop to start it, and he kept saying no. And then I went up to St. Joseph, and I put the miraculous medal at the foot of St. Joseph on his altar. And I said, the bishop said no, but I know you'll say yes. And uh, I went back to the bishop, and I've told you this story just recently. And the, I said, Bishop, can I start at her? I told you no. I says, that's okay, Bishop. Uh, uh, St. Joseph said yes. I don't care who said yes. I said no. But St. Joseph of the Blessed Sacrament said yes. So when he came and uh, blessed the Adoration Chapel, it was a glorious day. And again, there is such power in the Eucharist. See, I just really believe that because, you know, the reason they started this, these three years of Eucharistic amazement is to get people, so many people have, uh, don't believe in the real presence of Jesus. They don't go to church anymore, huh? In America, they don't go adoration. It's harder and harder to get people to fill the hours of adoration. They don't go to Mass. And so we have to redo this. But I'm saying... It's not just a thing. Often uh, we talk about the Eucharist as a thing. It's the person of God. There's great miracles. God can do anything. So again, when we started this and they asked me why, and I says, for the holiness of my people, and then to close the abortion clinic. I said something else, but we don't say that here. And uh, everybody laughed, and so we start praying. Uh, and as we were praying, 
uh, it started on Ash Wednesday and June 1st or July 1st. I don't know the date. I was going to bring in all the papers to show you, but I forgot. Um, the adoration, uh, the, the abortion clinic closed. And because there's power, you can't kill babies that close to where Jesus is being ador- uh, adored. So I just think that if we, if every parish had adoration, you know, and it doesn't have to be 24 hours, seven days a week, but to bring people back to that, we actually had a priest right before he retired last year, the year before, held up a monstrance and say, most of you people don't know what this is. Um, but they used to come and look at Jesus in this monstrance. You know, well, I heard that. It didn't go over well with a lot of places. So I got up the next Sunday and I held up a monstrance and I said, you all better know what this is. But here was a whole generation of priests who did not believe in adoration. And the problem with that reality is, is if you don't believe in adoration, your belief in Jesus is questioned because it's not like just the Mass. Oh, I believe in the Mass and Jesus is present in the Mass, but he stays there, transubstantiation. If Jesus Christ does not become, uh, if the bread and wine do not become God, then Jesus Christ is a liar, correct? Because he said, this is my body, this is my blood. At the end of Matthew, he makes us a promise. I am with you always until the ends of the ages. The way Jesus fulfills that promise is in the most blessed sacrament. You can fight, yell, carry on, but you're not going to fight with me. You're going to fight with Jesus. The, before we even had uh, the canon of the New Testament, we believed in the real presence of Jesus. Just read Corinthians. Just what, talk, what Paul talks about is this not the body and blood of Christ. If you receive unworthily, you sin against the body and blood of Christ. You know, there's all this stuff. There's so much there. John chapter 6, it's all there. So if, if the, the bread and wine doesn't become Christ, then Christ is a liar. Huh? Then he led the whole church, and there was only one church until about the year 1000, so we all believed in the Eucharistic presence of Jesus Christ. So if we were wrong for a thousand years, and we worshiped a piece of bread, that's why when uh, some fundamentalists come up and they believe everything fundamentally, right? That God created the world in seven 24-hour days. Great. Why? Because God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, said, this is my body. Why don't you say God said it? I believe it. That settles it. Why? I just don't get it. Huh? Because it doesn't fit into our theology. So we don't let Jesus tell us. We tell him, well, that can't really be. How could God become present in a, uh, in a, in a piece of bread? How could God become present in a human being, people of God? More than become present, become the hypostatic union, 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Anyway, so... For our own fruit, so the fruit that's born in my parish has been fantastic. And the fruit that can happen in your life can be fantastic. People often ask, where do I get my energy? By the Holy Spirit, of course, but it's from being with Jesus every day since I was in high school. Spending an hour with Jesus every day so I can know him so I can be transformed into him, so I can speak his word and not my word. Now, again, because of my sin, my words still get in there. But the core, the, the, the very essence of everything got to be to want to listen to Jesus so I can speak to Jesus. So when you're in the presence of Jesus, 
if you're silent and you're mindful, then God can start to speak to you. And he can tell you what he wants of you. Because again, as I've said a million times, there's only one purpose in life, to do God's holy will. So you need to be with him and you need to be still with him. Be mindful with him to listen so he can tell you what he wants. And that's when miracles start to happen because now we're fulfilling the will of God, not our will. And that happens by being with him. So I just want to encourage you. If you have an adoration chapel in your area, that you become generous and you sign up for a holy hour because every place needs that hour filled. Men, you should do it in the middle of the night. It's just that simple. Father, I'm very busy. I know, it's hard, it's very hard. On this, the Feast of St. Lawrence, it's a good way to die, to get up in the middle of the night, once a week, to be with the Lord. My holy hour is tonight from three to four in the morning. Normally, it's at uh, five o'clock in the morning, or five, 15, whatever, or 4 o'clock, depending on the day. But every Friday morning when I'm in town, it's from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Is it hard to wake up at 2.50 in the morning? Yes, it is. Am I tired when I go in front of the Blessed Sacrament? Yes, I am. Is it worth it? Of course. Because it's me dying to myself. It's harder for me to wake up the next morning when I have Mass at 7 a.m. But again, Instead of thinking about how hard it is, think about, is this the little bit of me dying to self and my time and my wants and my desires and my sleep to be with the one I love? Hmm? So I encourage you, be with Jesus. You'll fall more in love with him. You'll be transformed into him. You'll get to know his will. And as Pope Francis said in both of these things, and then you'll want to go out and evangelize others. Because it's not just we're talking about a church or a system of beliefs or rules that you follow. When you fall in love with the person of Jesus and know how much he loves you and how much he loves everybody, you'll want to tell everybody about the love of Jesus Christ. And then to tell him, and he's right here. Let me introduce you to him. Come on in and meet my Jesus. You got it? You get it? You're going to live it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay. So let us start some questions here. Chris, hi, Father. Hi, good afternoon, Bruce. My bishop is Larry. I know your bishop's Larry. Not Lawrence, Larry. I know. Uh, where's Harry? I'm sure Harry's going to be. There he is. Um, hi, Father. Father, how can we do frequent adoration before the Holy Sacrament when our churches are locked most of the time? I agree with you a thousand percent, but you can go and park in the parking lot and the whole church becomes a tabernacle. If you can't get in, the whole church is a tabernacle. Sit before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in the church parking lot. It's a tabernacle. The whole church becomes a tabernacle. It's just a bigger one. Oops, I forgot it was Thursday. Hi, Harry. Hi, Father Larry. Let me, Sandra Lauren, South Carolina, my mom, Anna, just celebrated her 97th birthday. 
We are in hospice and blessed. Well, we are praying for you. Absolutely. Anna, 97. If you get to see Jesus, wow, it's the greatest thing ever. Heaven's much nicer than South Carolina. Let me give you a hint. So, uh, and my stepfather's in the hospital. Uh, yesterday, they thought he was going to go home to heaven. And um, I was down there Monday, and I anointed him, and then I... I put a scapular around his neck and I installed him in the scapular, the brown scapular. And I had a crucifix on there and a St. Benedict medal. And I put a uh, miraculous medal on it because he wanted the miraculous medal. So the next day he was in the hospital and he told my brother, good thing Larry gave that to me because he thought I was gonna, he was going to die yesterday. So uh, just pray for him. Uh, God can take care of him. Okay, I have been up ladders most of the day singing, Nair, my God. <laughs> Good job, Harry. My parish has done perpetual adoration since 2009. We literally started in a broom closet, and the church was built in 13. The time spent in my most precious of the week. Sandra, I had to hear you today. St. Lawrence, my cousin, and his wife are listening to you too. Well, welcome. I turned him on to you, Ralph and Lynn. God bless you, Father. How's the book coming along? It's coming. <laughs> it's, right. it's open on my computer, so that's a good thing. Good afternoon, Father. I've always struggled with silence and being in adoration. Any helpful advice improve this? Yes, again, Scripture helped because that's God speaking to you directly, but also that mindfulness that you really focus on Jesus. Kind of like I said to my priest friend, you know, if you... Focus on that candle for a second so the candle burns silently in front of Jesus. You come and offer yourself as a living sacrifice, as Paul says, being consumed before Jesus. It's that time. And again, if it's hard for you to get there, then just read Scripture and read it again and again when the Lord gives you a verse until you get it deep inside of you. So you might have to read it one time, another time, three times, four times, ten times, and let it go deeper and deeper. And then you enter into that place where God is waiting for you. And he's in front of you, huh? Okay. And Mia, you got it. We're praying for you. You go to the beach, Father? Yeah, I go to the beach. Father Larry, aren't you grateful that Jesus called you out to doubt you in love so you would be a barely a miserable person, not a totally miserable person. Pagan, pagan, pagan. I know. It's, uh, and again, the reason I can be miserable if you haven't figured all this out yet is that's my um, um, defense mechanism. <laughs> it keeps people at a distance for my sake and for their sake. Um, but again, there's a lot of issues with that, but that's all beside the point. Beat six or 11. I haven't been to the beach. If I do go to the beach, I just walk around. I don't think I have laid out in the beach 20 years, I'm guessing. Uh, we pray for intentions, Father. You got it. Judas, what is the Eucharistic Congress? It's in, in I think, St. Louis, and uh, I forget when of 2024. It's just they're, they're bringing uh, people from all over the country, uh, all kids. They're hoping to get like 100,000 people there, if not more to worship Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament uh, and talk about the power of Christ in the Eucharist. May I ask uh, that we pray for Father Leslie Drake, who is suffering with arthritic thumbs, and Anglican 
we can forgive him that. And American supports Patriots and Red Sox. Not sure if that's forgivable. <laughs> there you go. We will. John 6, 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Galatians 2, 20 or 19, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's my favorite verse of the Bible. Ask Brother Andre for a shrine. He has great connection with you, Father, and Father Joseph. That's a great idea. I should ask. I already asked Joseph. Uh, and again, I always get what I ask for when it comes to Joseph. I have under the sleeping Joseph I put under there a month ago, uh, Joseph, uh, make us a shrine. So Joseph will take care of it. But it's always good. We know when we're asking and we get it, it's all because of God and his power, not be just because of us and our prayer. It's because of God. Um, question regarding Brown Scapular. They go front, back, and shoulder, shoulder. They just go front and back. Huh? Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a mini version of the Carmelites uh, uh, scapular, which is the full brown on the front and back and goes over your head. Uh, and so the brown scapular is a small one, you know, only a little square with uh, a string that goes the front and back. Question, I believe in the true presence of G. How should we look at Jesus? Are we back in time? Are we where he was with his apostles, or is he apostle here? Is he here on real time? He's here in real time. It's the eternal presence of God, but God is here. He, if he was just uh, a history person and we're looking at him back there, he wouldn't be real. So it was still Jesus. Of course it was Jesus, just like when I was uh, someone, we found a picture of me when I was a year and a half old. That was me, 100% me. But to talk to me then wouldn't got much out of me. So you deal with me now as I am now. Um, and so same with Jesus. He's the resurrected living Lord, and we deal with him as he is. Okay. We're sending some organic buttered roasted pecans soon. Remember? Yes, I had them before. They were very good. Um, yes. Have, have Father Dedish visit your stepfather. No, no, oh, no, no. He's the uh, angel of death. Anyway, so... Here we go, and there's nothing there, but I have a few questions here that I can answer. Happy Feast of St. Lawrence. Is it okay for a homebound individual to utilize a television adoration? Do you receive the same grace? Uh, I'm not sure about that. You know, it used to be you couldn't, but Pope Francis, when he started blessing, he says, even you people on TV land, or he didn't say it that way, but on the Internet, you can receive this blessing too because God lives in... Uh, He's not confounded in space, so of course, uh, if you have, if you're silent and if you're still looking and saying that act of faith in Jesus, then you can receive great grace. Father, from your video, give him a blessing. Why can't a mother give a blessing equally as meaningful as a father? Of course, a mother can give a blessing. Of course. It's just the father is the spiritual leader of the house. And again, that sounds very matriarch, not matriarchal, but patriarchal, I get it. Um, but again, it's not better. It's like when a priest is a priest, yeah, women are so much better in the church than men by far. But our job as priests have a particular role. And so that's our role of blessing. So a father is the priest of, the, the, uh, of his family is the one to give a blessing. But of course, mothers are called to give blessings too. Your greatest blessing is giving that child life who didn't have it. Uh, from the video, Jesus bears our burdens. Does God, but does he hear uh, them, bear them with us when they're own, our own making? Yes, 
He does if you surrender it to him. Huh? Like my sins. I don't know if you have sins. I have sins. And Jesus, when I surrender and I repent of them, Jesus does more than bear my sin. He dies for it. He takes it upon himself. Talk about bearing my sin and pays the penalty. Ugh. Absolutely, Cindy. You counseled me not to pray for prosperity, but now financial limitations are keeping me from being present for my children who are being raised by those who do not the Lord Jesus. I ask you to pray that God bless me with the means to better shout to them. I would tell you again, Jack, that you pray for God's will, period. Don't, again, those who want to be rich are falling into temptation and a trap, the word of God says. Now, you want to have enough money to take take care of your children. So that means you got to be going out and working and work your tail off and all that. And God will bless you uh, for that. But just to pray for prosperity, that's, uh, that's something altogether different. That's so you prosper only in yourself. Again, prosperity, if you're doing God's will, you will prosper. But the way you're going to prosper, I'm telling you right now, is to pray for God's will and to also tithe. Whatever you pull in, if you pull in $100 a week, even if you can't afford it, you give 10% to the poor, to the church, and then God will bless that. But if you say, no, I don't have enough money to do that, you will never prosper. I promise you, you will never prosper. Why? Because you're the God of your own money. You decide how you work that. You want God's will. You want to be generous with what God gives you, and then you will be prosperous enough to take care of your family. Huh? But you got to make sure, don't sit there and say, you'd probably counsel me not to pray for prosperity. I don't remember doing that, but I would, I would normally tell people not to pray to be rich, like all these people prayed to win the, uh, the billion dollars, okay? And then how many people prayed for that? Anyway, what if a person dies and does not have last rites when they die, if they die suddenly? God can take care of that. That's what God does. And God knows their heart, but it's always good if you have the sacraments. Hi, Father. Why do so many movies, TV shows have to use the F word? It's not necessary. Exactly. Is it a sin to watch these programs? Mm, I don't... Um, hmm. If you're watching it to listen to the F word, but if sometimes, you know, uh, usually not on TV, but sometimes, but the F word in itself just means to plant a seed. It's worse... Uh, to watch something that uses God's holy name in vain. Comment to your 4th of July homily. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom. Master. I have a question. Why do we say not by our deeds we are saved, but by his mercy only? But the gospel says that we will judge us according to our deeds only. Matthew 25, as I uh, talked about many times. We never take the gospel out of context. So there are places that it says in Romans that we're saved by grace not alone, but we're saved by grace. And then you get in Matthew where it doesn't talk about works at all. So you have to bring all this together. And so it's faith and works, faith and works, faith and works, but saved by grace, but faith and works. We respond, even responding is a work, if you will, respond to his grace to be saved. And then I let Christ live in me. And so Christ himself, by his grace, lives and does these deeds. Huh? It's the fruit of what I'm doing in my life, Okay. I'm expecting to, uh, an invite to a person's second wedding. I, uh, I am pretty certain that his first wedding was in the Catholic Church. I'm assuming that does he not have an annulment? You shouldn't assume. 
I don't know now he's getting remarried. Is it not in the, if it's not in the Catholic church, is it sinful me as a Catholic to attend and support him? I wouldn't go unless it was your son or daughter. That's a different reality. And I'm not going to get into that now, but I wouldn't go to the ceremony, but I would go to the reception. And again, some people go crazy with that response and say, you know, you're leading people into sin. Jesus ate and drank with sinners. I think we can do the same. And he eats and drinks with you and me. So that fulfills all that. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Planning on being for praise and worship on Thursday before Oktoberfest. Will there still be adoration during the festivities? Yeah, yeah, of course. We still do adoration on that Thursday. Father, it's good to be on live. I so get to watch you later. I also get to follow your masses. Thank you. Do to do. One question just popped into my head. Why is it the broadcast TV will bleep God but not damn? It's obviously not bleeping the curse word. The curse word is, again, using the, the word damn in itself would not be the curse word. If you'd say GD it, then that would be a curse word because you're using God's name. But even something is like, oh my G-O-D, you don't you know, say the whole word, that would be using God's holy name in vain. Um, so again, TV and that could care less about using God's holy name in vain, but uh, they would do the F word. But again, the F word means to plant a seed, and it's crude to say it. Anyway, hi, Father. Uh, what do you recommend for suffering due to the death of a loved one? If you receive an apostolic pardon upon your death, does, do you bypass uh, purgatory and go straight to heaven? Ideally, if you receive all the sacraments right before you die and you have a repentant heart and, all, and you get the plenary indulgence, you get to go right to heaven. Of course, you don't get to go to purgatory. Who wants to go to purgatory? I don't. Anyway, I got to get out of here. Uh, but thank you for being with us today. Uh, pray for us and the priests of the diocese. We're getting smaller in numbers. So we need more vocations to let those numbers grow. I pray for you every day, and I love you, and I ask you to please keep praying for me that I only do God's holy will. Okay, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you.